If you've ever wanted to meet the person behind the person, to hear the story behind the story, or just want to learn what makes successful people tick, how they navigate through the tough times, and how you can apply what they do to help in your journey, then stick around and join Global Change CEO turned mentor, Stu Hayes, as he asks questions just like these to our amazing guests each week on Careers Unplugged. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, then you are absolutely in the right place. My name is Stuart Hayes, and welcome to Careers Unplugged. Now, as many of you will know, one of my great passions in life is leadership, and in particular, the role in which leaders play in creating environments to support innovation and change. With this as a backdrop, I must say I am very much looking forward to spending some time with our guest today, who is recognized as a global expert in both of these areas. Not to mention, she is also one of Australia's leading sopranos, holds a law degree, has appeared as a speaker on TED Talks, and received a bucket load of other awards, including the Ernst & Young Australian Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award. I'm getting in trouble trying to get my mouth around that one. A Churchill Fellowship, the BrainLink Woman of Achievement, and so many others, it's almost ridiculous to, to continue to list them, but most notably, an Order of Australia for her services to the arts. I'm just going to bring you in now, Tanya. Tanya De Jong, welcome to Careers Unplugged. <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> I, I seriously could have uh, continued to, to list the staggering number of awards that you've received for the contributions that you've made um, to our society, and in fact, in many parts of the world. How did that, how did that sort of evolve for you? Um, I mean, you, you kicked off with a law degree. Yeah. Um, you know, what happened directly after that? Yeah, no, it's never been linear. <laughs> so my life's been going around in circles for a long time. So, so you know, you've been really dis- disruptive from day one. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, my grandmother invented the very first foldable umbrella when she was in Vienna in 1929 as an emerging artist. And for a okay. woman to do that in the, the 1920s, was was pretty disruptive. So I have invention and disruption in my blood. So <laughs> things have never really been – there's never been a plan. And if there was, I definitely didn't follow it. <laughs> but, did, you, did you meet your grandmother? Yes, yeah. She yeah. was an amazing, wow. incredibly inspirational woman, very a lovely woman. She was um, highly creative and inventive, obviously, and she was very intelligent and – my grandparents came to Australia. I mean, when she invented the foldable umbrella in 1929, um, she was fortunate enough to have it manufactured in Vienna for the next 10 years. It still is manufactured okay. in the same Austrian factory, but because my family are um, Jewish, we, mm. my grandparents were very lucky to escape with my mum, who was very, very a little baby at the time, and they bribed a border guard by sculpting his bust. My grandfather was a very famous sculptor and they, they fled to Switzerland where the German authorities contacted my grandmother about the, the patent for the foldable umbrella and um, she had no choice but to sell because, you know, she had a little baby and no idea where they're going next and, mm. of course, she never saw another cent from her invention but she was just lucky to, to live because most of the rest of that side of the family did lose their lives um, and... They then fled to Singapore and then to, to Australia where they were interned as enemy aliens and 
finally got back out into society, so to speak, with pretty much nothing and had to rebuild their lives. And, and my grandmother then became a very loved art teacher at St Catherine's Girls' School and my grandfather rebuilt his career and eventually the art, which had been miraculously saved and hidden during the war in, in um, dungeons in Paris sort of thing, was mm-hmm. um, returned gradually over the years to my grandparents' home, which is now a museum, um, an art gallery called the Dooldig Studio. So things have never been according to a plan because I guess, you know, I, I feel incredibly lucky to be here at all and <clears throat> I'm I'm blessed, you know, truly blessed and I think everything I've achieved has been as a result of feeling like I'm so lucky to be here and I'm so lucky to have the gifts and talents that I have and I I feel blessed every day and I see and work with a lot of people who have a lot of disadvantage Um, and, you know, I could be them and they could be me, you know, and and I could be the, the relative that didn't survive the Holocaust and but I'm the lucky one who did and um so I've got I think I you know I've got a real contribution to make and I have a lot of energy and um literally you know my mission is to change the world one voice at a time and to help people to to unlock their creative potential and to help people to find what their true true meaning and purpose in life is Um, And, you know, once you find that, you know, any person finds that, they can then, it's a circle too, you know, they they then start to help Mm -hmm. other people. And we find that a lot in my charity, Creativity Australia, where we have a, a program called the With One Voice program and we literally bring together people in choirs of social inclusion, people like you and I and probably many of your listeners who are fortunate, you know, professional people and, and retired people and people who are who already know their meaning and purpose in life and then we bring together migrants and job seekers and people with depression and disabilities in choirs which through the neuroscience of singing we help to shift people's brain chemistry and literally when you sing with other people your brain chemistry and your neuroplasticity changes and, and increases making you smarter, healthier, happier and more creative <laughs> and and we have this wish list in the choir and literally people make wishes to one another, you know, for help with a resume, a job, find a friend, someone to walk home with, learn English, whatever it happens to be. And about 90% of the wishes are granted through our wish list because people are in such a receptive headspace. And, and, and it's interesting that some of the very disadvantaged um, people in the choirs, once they start having their wishes met and their lives start turning around, they start then helping the people who then are less fortunate. And mm. gradually you, you lift everyone up, you know, little by little no, you no, keep lifting a, people a, up. That's a, a wonderful um, construction. I mean, it, <laughs> how, how, did you, how did you actually conceive that as a concept in the first place? <laughs> um, look, I've always known that singing is is a tool for healing and – my own group, I started, um, look, I started singing, you know, 30 years ago now and, yeah. and you know, for those people who may watch my TED Talk, I talk about how I was told I should never bother having singing lessons as a 14-year-old girl and 
and then, you know, eventually I auditioned for the chorus and I got the lead role. And But many times I was told not to quit and to stop and, you know, and, and many of us have these things said to us that we're not good enough, particularly, you know, we often get told we can't sing, yeah. but not just singing, you know, it might be something creative. A lot of people think they're not creative. And um, so then really, look, just as a result of having all these setbacks and teachers who said I wouldn't make it and I was then really forced as a result of that to take my own entrepreneurial path and I guess that's what started my group potpourri 27 years ago and we've toured the world, you know, over 40 times, released seven CDs and as a result of working with potpourri, we started working with quite a lot of disadvantaged schools and children and that was what led me to founding The Song Room 15 years ago and, of course, The Song Room has reached hundreds of thousands of disadvantaged students with um, music and creative programs improving their self-esteem and learning outcomes. It's won numerous awards. And I guess as a result of having worked a lot with with children through that program, I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to see what the outcomes would be if if we took singing, which is my particular passion, to a really much broader audience than just children? And what if we actually brought together people aged 9 to 90 of all faiths and all backgrounds in these choirs of social inclusion, what could happen? So really instead of creating a choir of hard knocks, you know, instead of putting together a group of people with a specific disadvantage, and that's what we tend to do in our society, we tend to put all the, you know, senior people together and all the depressed people together and all the people from a certain migrant background together and the homeless people together, I thought, well, Mm. what if we could actually break that down? What if we could actually, what I call, have positive human collisions between all these different types of people and with more fortunate people, couldn't we achieve something really special? And it really was an experiment to begin with, um, which started at the Sofitel Melbourne, which has been an incredible supporter of my work for many years. And the general manager there could was a really big believer in choirs and he loved okay. this idea and he's donated the venue and supper for nearly six years now. And um, and we just brought together, you know, people like my made more my board members join the choir and um, we brought people from the local housing estates and people from different, you know, migrant communities and job seekers together. And every week now, you know, some 80 to 100 people might congregate there and literally weekly miracles occur. I mean, we've had marriages, we've helped hundreds of people connect to jobs. So this happens every week. <laughs> yeah. So so as a result of that one Melbourne program, we now have thirteen. Pro- we've ha- we've had more over the years, but we've, at the moment we have thirteen programs um, going. We have eleven in Victoria, okay. ranging from Geelong through to Dandenong, Footscray, Heidelberg. You know, right sort of yeah. around the perimeter yeah. of Melbourne. And then we also have Sydney and Brisbane and. We also, since my TED Talk last year, um, have had inquiries from around the world to start this with one voice model. And we currently have a lady called Maya de Jong, same surname as me but no mm. relation, in Arnhem, <laughs> Holland, my no birthplace. Eh? <laughs> it's bizarre. She started some with one voice programs in Holland and we have um, people who are starting them in the United States. And I guess part of our goal is to really... Um, share our model 
and scale our model by creating a how-to guide so that anyone in any community, conductor or community champion, can use mm. our model to create these weekly miracles. And the key very much is the diversity. The diversity is what really, you know, breaks down barriers and people start to go, oh, I could be that person, I could be. It gives you a sense of perspective, you know, and a sense of gratitude. And the other thing that really works um well the neuroscience of singing obviously is a huge key um and of course the wish list you know by by actually giving people the chance to ask for wishes from one another you get weekly miracles and the weekly you do have to do these sorts of programs on a regular basis you can't meet you know once a month or once every three months it really is the regularity of it so that people have this sense of family you know, like we're yeah. all part of this big family, this global family. <laughs> I mean, the diversity component, I mean, in fact, I, 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 could, uh, I feel we could have a conversation about each of those, uh, those keys you just mentioned. You know, diversity we could talk about for an hour. Oh, the wish list concept, um, you know, <laughs> the regularity concept, these types mm. of things. Mm. Um, you know, diversity of its own accord. I mean, I know that's a, it's such a beautiful um, component um, of people coming together, but it's also the cause for clashes too, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, exclusion is is sort of the starting point for so much or so many of the problems in our society. Mm. Yet, yet actually, when you have inclusion and you come yeah. together and you realise that, gee, you know, you are a human just like me. Um, it doesn't right. really matter what you look like, what your um, circumstances are, what your religion is, for example. Mm. Um, but hey, you know, we're we're really similar. Well, that's right. And like in my TED Talk, I talk quite a lot about, um, you know, we spend most of our lives, you know, talking with, dressing like, thinking like, you know, people who are very similar like to consumers. us. consumers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you know, our greatest gains as human beings are really when we, we're with people who challenge us and who make us, um, you know, question some of our beliefs and, and who take us a little bit outside our comfort zone. And it's really in, in that sort of space where we can grow and we can come up with new and innovative ideas and unlock more of our potential. It's, when we're in, in too safe a zone, we, we become complacent. And so it's very important for us, I think, to, to regularly connect with people who are very different. And this program does that beautifully. Well, I guess the other side of it too is that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we we sometimes don't see the fundamental assumptions that we're making, you know, our own mm. bias that that's there, uh, irrespective of how much we try to not have it the case. And when yes. you can come together as a community like the type you've just described, and I have to say it's even ridiculous for me to say the type you've described because I can't think of another one, um, but it's just wonderful. I, I think it's mm. just fantastic, actually. It is actually so, quite unique, the model. I mean, you know, and for us... Really, we just want to encourage anyone we can to use that model. It's quite a lot of hard work, actually, to initially put together that sort of diversity because it doesn't naturally happen in our community. Obviously, we, we tend to hang around with people like us. But when you do bring that diversity together, you know, we bring together people from local businesses and local charities. And when you do it, you can really go, oh, Gosh, diversity really works, and it's of course it's yeah. not just about gender diversity; it's way more no, than that. No, correct, yeah. correct. 
So, I mean, how much of a was a, of a driver was your family background? I mean, your grandma has had an incredible experience, and your grandfather mm. too. You know that mm. where they've managed to extract themselves from one of the most hostile environments that um, has occurred in human history to to get to Australia um, mm. to start again. Um, you know, some people would probably withdraw into their own community um, rather than. I guess embrace diversity when they're That's coming right. from that background. You know, mm. what, how did that sort of unfold for you personally? How did you, you know, Matt, was it your parents? Was it you, or did, how did you recognize um, this this need or this pathway? No, I think. Look, you know, yes. I mean, you're right. I mean, my parents did reach out. You know, they didn't, for example, just stay with Jewish people, and they didn't teach at Jewish schools. In fact, both both my grandparents taught at, you know. Um, Anglican or, you know, mm, schools, you know, St. Yeah. Catherine's and my grandfather taught at Mento and Grammar. Okay. And my mother went to Korowa. And I guess, you know, I don't think we wanted to stigmatise ourselves into a particular place because at the end of the day that was partly what, you know, caused such massive annihilation. So perhaps yeah. there's a safety yeah. in assimilation. That being said, my family still hold very strong um, Jewish cultural beliefs and, you know, they celebrate Friday night dinners and so on, though I'm um, agnostic or what's, I believe in something but not in religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, spirituality. Yeah, but I think that probably is agnostic, isn't it? You yeah, know, I think it's agnostic. A, I always I get confused. I, I think atheist is when you don't believe in, in anything, anything. Yeah, No, yeah. I'm not atheist. I'm an agnostic. But, you know, like so my, my family celebrates Friday night dinners and they celebrate Jewish holidays and, and, you know, they go to the synagogue sometimes and things like that. They want to maintain that cultural tie, but they have a very, very broad array of people. And I was really brought up with a really broad range of people around me always. Um, and I went to Corora, you know, Anglican Girls School, and, yeah, I was, you know, one of only probably two Jewish girls there, and I certainly did get picked on. I was bullied terribly at school. Um but you know, because what doesn't that, kill you makes um, stronger. Because of your background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact of being Jewish, of being different, of you know, my dad had an accent. Um, you know, I always, you know, I, I was disruptive and and talented, and you know, we tend not to like in Australia. We do tend to, you know, cut the tall <laughs> poppies tall down, yeah. and that's always been. That's always happened. Um, so, I, you know, I hate to say it and I don't like to think of myself as a victim. I'm not at all. No. But uh, I would say that being an entrepreneur in this country has never been easy um, and being a founder is, is not easy. You know, people often don't want to acknowledge founders and entrepreneurs properly and we need to get much better at that in this country. We need to actually be really proud of our founders and entrepreneurs because if we're not proud of them, they'll go somewhere else or they'll just give up. And there's not enough people in this country uh, doing that. Well, I think our country has a very unfortunate uh, history of doing both of those things, you know, that mm. people have either left the country or, or given up. That's right. No, you know, look, I know lots of incredibly talented entrepreneurs who gone, you know, to either Europe or the United States or Israel or other places to set up businesses because they're just more friendly environments for them in in terms of financial incentives but also in terms of just um, 
they're, they're more celebrated. You know, like when I yeah. went to the United yeah. States, I went on a tennis scholarship to the United States as an 18-year-old and having always been bullied at school and, you know, sort of I'd always kept my cards close to my chest and I'd learnt just not to talk about what my achievements were and it was such a relief to go to America where people said, oh, wow, you know, and they really seemed to celebrate who I was. And I think we need to well, start. I, think they, I mean, they, they seem to celebrate ambition. Um, but what yes. they also, what I'm most impressed about the Americans is that they recognize that learning requires error. You know, it's, That's you, know, right. you, you need to make mistakes. Whereas yeah. in this yeah, country, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. yeah hey, no, look, you're, talk, you're talking to a, um, a long term entrepreneur. So I, I understand. No, I know that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you were. Uh, you seem to have followed um, a pathway from, uh, I guess, a law degree and by the sound of it, a talented um, sporting background and an ability to sing at a young age. Um, to, and, and, you've, and you've started Potpourri um, mm-hmm. and that was, a, was a, an avenue for you to do some of the things you're doing um, now. That's right, but yeah. But where did it – did you – how did you make the decision to, or how did it sort of unfold that, to sort of follow this direction, which seems to me, just talking to you, to be something that you absolutely love? Yeah, look, I think it is actually as a result of all the setbacks. <laughs> I mean, and all the failures, <laughs> you know, like really like from the time I was 14, you know, when I told you I was um, mm. told I couldn't sing school. and then teachers yeah. later told me I'd never make it past the chorus and then, you know, all along the way, I mean, even, you know, um, you know, starting my first charity, The Song Room, there was, you know, all sorts of challenges around that, just raising the funds and then, you know, deciding to leave and um, setting up so my new charity. Like, this is sort of like uh, putting fire in the belly, this sort of stuff by the sound of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it, what? Yeah, it just makes you stronger and more resilient and starting this new charity, um, you know, for nearly five, six years, nearly six years ago now, um, Creativity Australia and the With One Voice program. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been hard. Um, you know, you forget how hard it is. I think it's like childbirth. Not that I have any children. <laughs> it's like that. It's like having all these children, and each time you think it's going to be easier, and in some ways, you know, your network grows and your reputation grows, so people know that you can deliver. Um, and you can follow through on a on a project and a plan, but you know things like fundraising never get easier. Um, and we're in an environment now where, you know, as you say, people are always risk averse. They don't like trying new things too much, or you know, um, they tend to support tried and true uh, models. And it's very difficult to start up anything, you know, whether it's a commercial or a social enterprise. Yeah. It's tough, you know. This is why most startups fail within the first period of time because it does take a lot of courage and a lot of resilience and a lot of tenacity to keep going. And you know, people sometimes say, "Oh, well, I'm I'm relentless." And now I take that as a compliment. <laughs> I used to find <laughs> it upsetting. Um, but now I sort of I I looked um at a magazine article recently where the the lady who advises, you know, Bill Gates and Clintons and so on on their charity pro- projects was described as relentless and it was an absolute compliment because in America, if you're relentless, that's a compliment. But in Australia, mm. it's like 
well, just give up. Why don't you just give up? <laughs> you know, and well, you know, the problem about that is a lot of people do give up. It's like, well, why don't I just go to the beach then? <laughs> is this and, is this sort of part of the driver for you to start Creative Innovation Global? Yes, I, I suppose so because, you know, Creative Innovation Global is like the pinnacle of – it sort of brings together everything I've done. You know, it's it brings together – Maybe just share a little bit. Uh, oh, let's yeah. put a bit yeah. of context in place yeah. for the listeners. And- yeah, so Creative Innovation Global I set up five years ago nearly and, and – um, Every year we host this incredibly awesome annual conference called Creative Innovation. So our next conference is Creative Innovation 2015 and we bring together some of the world's leading speakers, thinkers, innovators, disruptors under one roof, usually 40-plus speakers. And next year we've got 10 international, like totally awesome innovators coming and the theme is from disruption to sustainable growth next year's theme and (laughs) the conference you know has master classes deep conversations it has the conference it has a gala dinner which supports the charity we have artists and you know incredibly creative people and residents and it really brings together you know like I've been doing a lot of keynote speaking about um, leadership about creativity and innovation and I just thought, well, what if we brought some of these incredible thinkers to Australia? And and I suppose also I was inspired by the TED Talks, which I think are wonderful, yeah. but I wanted to actually create a conference that was more focused on business and innovation and leadership. And the TED Talks are great, but they're very diverse and, you know, not always relevant to business. So I wanted to create something where organisations and business leaders and emerging talent from all sectors, you know, government, not-for-profit, SMEs, big business, academia, you know, everyone could come together and have positive human collisions at this conference with some of the leading thinkers and, you know, innovators and look at what some of the global challenges are that we're facing and co-create some solutions together and also learn across sectors. (coughs) And so the conference last year, Creative Innovation 2013, was actually named Corporate Event of the Year in the Global Eventex Awards, which was like an incredible honour <laughs> and something we never expected. And and we've been able to attract some of the most outstanding thinkers in the world over the, the past few years and next year's probably the best lineup no, we've ever had. Um, I mean, this is, Aaron talks about this is the era of, of convergence, you know, collaboration, even you know, mm. guys like Bucky Fuller back in the 60s were talking oh, yes, about this. And, and here we are now, yet there seems to be a real struggle to try to get the recipe right, you know. That, and, and I think that from, in my experience with, with organizing things that, you know, you talk about, um, well, you mentioned a phrase that I've not heard before, but I love it, the positive human collisions. Um, and that's really something that is so best or better facilitated face to face in, you know, and I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic actually. Yeah, look, it is, it is about face to face. I mean, you know, you can watch great talks, uh, on the internet and and you can hear podcasts like this, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, but there is nothing like being in a room together experiencing something together and I know this from all my years of, you know, performing on stage. I perform now and, you know, I was just performing the other day with my group Potpourri at the Portrait Gallery in Canberra, actually for the Federal National Party, 
Okay. And, you know, you could, you could feel the audience breathe with you and at the end the audience simultaneously stood and cheered and nothing can replace that feeling of being, I think, connected to other human beings. I mean, that's why the work we're doing with Creativity Australia is so important. It's about connecting yeah. our hearts <laughs> and our souls and our minds and, you know, no amount of virtual technologies and no amount of brilliant technologies I don't think are ever going to replace the human experience. But, you know, certainly the robots are coming. <laughs> They're having a really good... You know what? They can come, and I don't mind, because I'm going to continue <laughs> to, want to, to want to see people and talk to them directly. Well, exactly. There's nothing like it, is there? You know, it gives There's you a not, buzz. you know. But, you know, I, but I, know, I must know, you know, I must say, I guess, that, um, you know, I've looked at my own... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a junkie for, for awareness about my own self, and one of the, the <laughs> tools or the psych profiles that I've done on myself has shown me that I am someone who um, who thinks in conversations you know I, I am someone are you, are you an ENFP Stuart are, yeah well yeah you know the, in the Myers-Briggs uh, model ENFP yeah I think so I'm not I haven't done Myers-Briggs for ages actually but in, in <laughs> facet five which was the most recent one I did uh, it was it was sort of that high energy uh, in an assimilating way so you know I get into groups and I can come in with a half idea, but through brainstorming and discussion, yeah. uh, my own ideas get clarified. So yeah. I, well, I, I, like need it. I need it. <laughs> mm, it's a drug. It's a drug. <laughs> hey, uh, we're, we, are, we are running out of time here, Tanya. Um, mm. Look, this has well, been amazing. Well, can I mention a couple of websites? Please, also, please do. Also, I'm just thinking I forgot to mention, but um, one really exciting thing is I'm actually releasing um, a solo CD um, wow. early in 2015. Okay. called um, Heaven on Earth, and it's some of the most beautiful classical music reinvented, which I've li- written lyrics to, and Joe Kindamo, stunning arranger, composer, musician has um, and pianist has created some beautiful arrangements, and we've got some originals and Heaven on Earth. It's the most heavenly music on earth, in my opinion. And when you so, say early next year, that's sort of probably not so different in time frame to uh – uh, creative Innovation Global, is that right? Yeah, that's right. It probably will be in that time frame. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's not do things by halves, eh? <laughs> no, no, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, some of the websites, um, look, if people would like to join one of the With One Voice choirs or support us, mm-hmm. for $500 a year you can support a disadvantaged person to be in our choirs and change their life and that is www.creativityaustralia.org.au. And if you want to see all of the stuff that um, we're doing at our creative universe, then look up www.creativeuniverse.com.au and you can see sort of all the different um, things that I'm doing in terms of my speaking and performing and the events we run and all of that. And then Creative Innovation 2015 is www.ci2015.com.au. And when's this going to air, Stuart? Because I might give your listeners a special um, a special password. Uh, look, I reckon two weeks from now. Two weeks. So what's that about okay. the uh... – we can chop this part so, out if you like. For your followers, viewers, yep. listeners, I'm going to offer a special password, and the password is growth, which I think is a great word. Um, and the theme it's of the conference is from disruption to sustainable growth. But if you use the password growth, 
you will get 10% off any of the conference packages. So not off masterclasses and one-off things, but off the conference packages, you'll get 10% off. And um, we'd like to offer that to all of your listeners. Well, there you go, peeps. Uh, Jump onto that one. I think this is (laughs) going to be an absolutely fantastic conference. It's awesome. <laughs> so, speaking of the listeners, what what would you, what would be your challenge for them? I mean, you've you've had a, a life that's been um, I won't say littered, I'll say glittered with uh, with social what? contribution. <laughs> what, what, what's the challenge that you'd toss out for them? Um, wow. Well, see how you can change the world one voice at a time every day. That would be one way, um, and you don't have to sing to do it. Um, and step outside your comfort zone regularly so have positive human collisions with people unlike yourself and think about the word fail as first attempt in learning oh i like that one i like that one indeed in fact when you were talking earlier about uh, you don't have to sing i remember uh, and you but you were saying that it's remarkable how um people's own singing lifts incredibly when they sing with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it made me remember a time when I was a lot younger uh, <laughs> and happened to be in a bar singing karaoke when the cast from La Miserable came in. Oh, my God. And uh, there was literally me and my friend and them. That's um, awesome. So after, after 20 minutes, I walked over and I said, look, guys, you know, I, I realize you may be a little embarrassed with us singing. So if you'd like to join us, so, <laughs> so it sounds better, that's just quite okay. <laughs> Do you hear the people sing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tanya, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great to have you on the show, and I reckon we should do something again maybe around the time of the conference or after yeah, your, your CD just to, to check yeah. in and see how it's all tracking for you. No, that would be lovely. I'd, I'd be delighted to. Okay, well, thank you. It's an honour to be on your show. Thank you very much. And to all of you at home, in the car or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. We hope the insights provided by Tanya will help you in your journey and make a point of visiting careersunplugged.com to get a list of all of those different URLs that Tanya mentioned earlier. And in case you've forgotten it, the password is growth. Check out Tanya's TED Talk, leave a comment, get access to a whole bunch of resources designed specifically to help you in your journey This has been Careers Unplugged with Stuart Hayes. Would you benefit from a business coach or mentor who's the real deal? Or from a training program customized to fix real problems or help you and your team hit actual KPIs and performance targets? Stuart Hayes stepped away from his career as a global change CEO and committed to mentoring, coaching, and training a new generation of leaders, as well as anyone seeking positive impact through their business or career. Visit stuarthayesleadership.com now. Book a free one-hour strategy session with Stuart and learn how you can get the skills, training, and knowledge normally limited to selected staff within Tier 1 multinational organizations. Programs are available for every need and budget.